You fought in the Clone Wars? Yes. I was once a Jedi Knight, the same as your father. Since that, one simple sentence, fans have on different levels been obsessed about thinking, what was the Clone Wars? idea of doing a animated TV series was intriguing to me because it really did allow me to broaden the, the, the canvas of what Star Wars is about. Hello and welcome to Sky Talkers. I'm your host Charlotte. Hey everyone, I'm your other host Caitlin and I'm emotionally drained. <laughs> Same. How are you? <laughs> Oh, guys, happy May the 4th. Uh, We are recording this on May the 4th, actually, and oh, it's been a day. (laughs) It's been a great day. It's It's been been a good day. It's a lot. It's been a a lot of emotions, but it has been really, really fun, and I honestly, I'm like really thrilled with all the announcements and everything that's happened today. It just has all made me feel really good. Loved the Mandalorian behind the scenes, and but we did start the day by watching the series finale to the Clone Wars, and oh boy, oh man, yes. wrecked. Yes, <laughs> it's like there's nothing like starting my day with a bucket of tears, <laughs> with full on sobbing. <laughs> yeah, I think about halfway through, I started crying and didn't stop um, until. Well, (laughs) (laughs) still going on. (laughs) The thing is, too, um, they kept so Kevin Kiner's soundtracks are actually up on Apple Music and Spotify, too, which is amazing because not all of his soundtracks for Star Wars are available digitally, uh, which I feel like I've I've like none of I, I don't think really any of his Rebels ones are. I think maybe season one is, but the rest of the seasons you have to like find clips and stuff on YouTube. So the fact that I didn't know that um, I know that season episodes one through four of season seven of Clone Wars the soundtrack are up, and then episodes nine through twelve. So those last arc, the Siege of Mandalore arc, uh, is up. And uh, guys, the very last track of Kevin Kiner's soundtrack for Clone Wars is literally called Burying the Dead. And not ready for that when I stumbled across that at 2.30 this afternoon and just (laughs) started all over again. (laughs) The tears, they just keep on flowing. Yeah, I had it on repeat while I was, while Charlotte and I were writing the show notes for today. I I don't know why, but... Definitely left an air of dread over the the show notes writing. (laughs) (laughs) It felt fitting somehow. I don't really know how to describe it, but yeah, so that's out. Uh, If you have, uh, I I think we all have been talking about Kevin Kiner's score the past couple episodes. It's just been, it's been outstanding and I'm really glad to be able to listen through it. Actually, Um, I'm a Spotify user myself, so I'm excited to be able to have it on Spotify, actually. You're a Spotify user. I'm a Spotify user. (laughs) Carol's an Apple Music user and it makes it really difficult to share songs, actually. (laughs) Sorry. <laughs> Opposite sides of war. <laughs> Opposite sides of the music industry. Yeah. Charlotte's been like a staunch iTunes person from the day I met her. So Yeah. Yeah. 
It's been a while. Anyway, I want to say we were featured today on the iTunes Apple podcast homepage. And I just want to say if you are this is your first time listening to the show, welcome. I we're so overwhelmed that we were featured for today for the May the 4th um, picked by listeners. So we're I, I can't even really put into words how excited I was crying like when we saw it. It's meant so much to see our logo on the front page of Apple Podcasts. Like, I, I, it was really insane. I, Caitlin and I started this podcast in her uh, like closet in Athens, Georgia, when she was still in school, and we were cramped in there. And I, I don't know. It's really sentimental to see that today when the Clone Wars ended and so if you're if you're listening because you just found the show, welcome. Um, we we've been doing this for three and a half years, and uh, but we've been friends and been through Clone Wars since we've been Star Wars fans. So um, it's crazy that it is ending today and that that happened today. Yeah, yeah, it it was really unbelievable. Honestly, <laughs> I yeah, I really don't know how to describe it because it just it feels it just it feels really good I don't know what other way to say it it just it feels really nice um and I do think we should shout out all the other podcasts that were also listed too because they are most of the podcasts that were listed on this May the 4th um homepage with Apple Podcasts. They're all people that we know online and a lot of them we've gotten to meet in person and there is there are a lot of women represented in this list too. So it's just it's if you're looking for Star Wars podcasts to listen to, I any of the ones in this list are they're going to be great and the fact that we know so many of them personally too is just Oh, feels good. So some of the others were What the Force, Scavengers Horde, Blast Points, Friends of the Force, Talking Bay 94, Women of the Wills, Lipstick and Lightsabers, Doing Talking, The Rexing Around Show, Full of Sith, Force Thunder, and The Mandalorian Watch. All great, great, great shows if you're looking for more Star Wars to listen to. So if that is how you found us, welcome. I'm sorry we'll be crying through most of this episode, but we're glad you're here. <laughs> and, yes. Uh, <laughs> Charlotte and I have been best friends since uh, we were 13, 14 years old. Um, Charlotte introduced me to Star Wars when I was 13 years old, right after Revenge of the Sith came out. And uh, we've never looked back since. So Clone Wars has really been a foundational part of our Star Wars fandom. So to come to the end of it here, to be able to do it on our podcast, it's and to be featured as a podcast on the Apple homepage on May the 4th. It's a lot going on, <laughs> guys. Lot, guys. I think you know that. <laughs> and if so you've been much. a listener for a while, you're like... I, I can feel you passing us tissues virtually through your headphones, and <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> I mean, sometimes I'm just like, it's really been 12 years since the Clone Wars premiered, and we saw it in the movie theater, and it was, you know, we were kind of like, oh, we're in this ride forever, really, with <laughs> the Clone Wars, and the star all, everything that has come with the Clone Wars, from Star Wars weekends to conventions to the online community, her universe. I mean, it's like, honestly, like life defining. So it ending here is just like, wow, 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 wow. Yeah, it really is. I mean, talking about, I mean, like two of the biggest pillars in our fandom are Dave Filoni and Ashley Eckstein. And so to come to the end of the line for this particular story, obviously not for either one of them in Star Wars, but it just, it, 
<laughs> it, you really do feel this like chapter closing. And of course, like the place in the Star Wars story that these episodes take place in, it just adds to that feeling. <laughs> Oh, you don't say. <laughs> I don't say. Yeah, yeah. And you know, like, <laughs> like, I mean, they are, like it just is such an important show for us because you know Dave Filoni was the first person that we really heard talking critically about Star Wars, and that really framed so much of how we think about Star Wars is listening to him and to everyone else involved in the show talk critically and analytically about the stories that they were telling. And then on the other side of it, having someone like Ashley Eckstein, who was the voice of one of our favorite characters, but was also this like woman in Star Wars who was so excited about it, who loved fashion, who started her own fashion line in the middle of all this because she saw a gap in women being represented and having options for Star Wars clothing through her universe. It's just like those were both really important things for us as young teenage girls and like feeling like we couldn't talk to people about Star Wars because that was weird and it was meant for boys and not really girls. But then having someone like Ashley doing what she was doing and being so vocal about her love for it and then being able to to hear people talking critically about these stories, like both Ashley and, and Dave and everyone else involved in the show too, it just it was really important for us. And it's something that guy has guided a lot of our discussions about Star Wars in the past, you know, 15, 12 years. So, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's kind of the, that's the long and short of it, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how you say that without crying. I'm like over here on the verge. Maybe it's just been a long day. <laughs> I, I like to, to clamp down my emotions. <laughs> oh, okay. You're part of the concealment camp. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like if I don't laugh about it a little bit, then I'll just it's like uh, the floodgates will open and it won't stop. Um, so I have to be careful. <laughs> But uh, we are going to be actually talking about the episode Victory and Death. There probably will be a lot of us uh, reflecting on the show and and our personal attachments to it as well. But uh, for those of you that are new listeners, we usually we're known for our three part episodes that we do here on Sky Talkers. And we usually break a topic or theme or episode into three parts to kind of guide our discussions. But these last couple episodes of Clone Wars, we've actually broken down into just two parts. And they're the parts we tend to focus on the most, <laughs> which are really diving in deep to the story and the characters. So those are going to be our parts again <laughs> for this episode as we talk about the series finale, Victory and Death, which was directed by Nathaniel Villanueva and written by Dave Filoni. So without further ado, let's get started. So that, of course, was my main focus, is making a Star Wars that George Lucas was proud of, obviously proud enough to want to put it up on the big screen, and we're all thrilled about that. But, uh, you know, hey, fans are passionate, and whether they say for good or for ill about anything, any aspect of it, it's because they love it. You know, they, they, they want it to be good. They want it to, it to, they feel an ownership over Star Wars at this point, and I respect that. I mean in both directions, you know, I, I respect the good things I've heard and I respect when fans says, ah, why is it animated? Yeah, okay, I get it, but, you know, give it a chance and check it out and I think they'll be surprised because I'm a fan and I like it. Okay, so welcome to part one where we discuss the story. And Caitlin, for the last time, where do we start and where do we end with this episode of The Clone Wars? 
I don't know why, but this feels like we're just like everything is over. Like this is our last time starting off with part one story, which I know. it's not, but I'm it's like, not true. <laughs> <laughs> but I keep feeling like it's over. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> this is a question we've asked pretty much every episode. Where do we start and where do we end? And uh, we start start in not a great situation and we end in kind of a not great situation either. Um, We start with Ahsoka and Rex. As we saw them in the last episode, they've been cornered, uh, trapped in this, you know, surgery room (laughs) where Rex just had brain surgery. Casual brain surgery. Casual brain surgery. He's (laughs) doing great though. (laughs) He's thriving, really thriving. (laughs) Thriving. They really have good painkillers in uh, in space. (laughs) And they uh the door opens on them and there are the other clone troopers out there and so they have to fight their way off basically and the whole story is just about them being able to get off of the ship that they're on because it's going to crash land and we end uh very somber with ahsoka and rex returning to the crash site and burying all most the ones that they could find the bodies of the clones that perished in that crash and they leave their helmets there as well uh put up on stakes and ahsoka leaves her lightsaber there and of course then we also do this you know kind of an epilogue shot i suppose with vader darth darth vader that's darth vader showing up and it looks very much like hoth at this point we're not really sure the timeline (laughs) which is hilarious because we've been quite obsessive about it the past four episodes (laughs) but he approaches the the graveyard and he picks up ahsoka's lightsaber and the one that he redid for her where he remade the crystals uh, or put new crystals in it for her he takes it and ignite it. Guys, I mean, Clone Wars gave us Darth Vader with a blue lightsaber. Can you even? <laughs> no. <laughs> and we see Morai, the convoy, flying above him. And it ends. And it ends. What do you think of it? I really love this episode. It was not at all what I expected it to be. But I thought it was perfect. I think it did exactly what it needed to do. It was... I think I probably, as with most Star Wars, I'm always here for more conversations in between the characters. Like, that's always what I'm wanting more of. That's definitely my favorite part of Star Wars. And I think that this episode definitely had less of that than I expected. But I think that it, it did it so well. Like, the action and just kind of this overarching metaphor of this ship crashing and you know, the the timeline that like the Republic has crashed and Anakin has fallen and all of that is lost. And by the time that we get to the like the whole point is for them to get off of the ship in one piece and trying to do that while also trying to outrun the clone troopers. And um, I think, you know, spoilers for those of you who haven't watched Rebels, but both of these characters show up in Rebels. And so the whole time I'm thinking they make it, they make it, they make it, they make it. But it was still so stressful and it wasn't. I'll take the back. It wasn't stressful. It was emotional. Watching them having to go through all these motions, again, kind of knowing that they're both about to go into very lonely, somber periods of their life. And this is this is the crash landing. This is the crash landing of the galaxy. And so to see it happening in this episode, it just felt really right. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I, I think, I mean, you guys know if you've been listening to us what we had been predicting or expecting or 
I think that sometimes the best Star Wars is, and we've said this before for years, the best Star Wars is the Star Wars that surprises us while also delighting us. And I think that this episode did that. And I give it an A++. Like, it was really fantastic. And I think it was a great ending. I think Dave Filoni really knows how to end stuff in a satisfying way, in a way that really kind of sums up what the what the characters and the story meant to the viewers and but also the characters involved in the story. So I don't think it ever, Dave ever for sacrifices story for the nostalgia of the the audience. And I think that is always really important. And I really felt like I like what you said about things crashing and you know the last episode being called shattered and Ahsoka in the last episode was emotionally shattered and she continues to be emotionally shattered and now she's stuck in a place that is is everything around her is against her and Rex and they're they're in a situation where all they can do is run and leave and you're on the edge of your seat figuring out how the heck are they going to do this the entire time and like you say knowing the ending doesn't make it any more or any less dramatic, I guess. It, you still feel really emotional about every single beat. And I think it really worked. I also really just thought the ending was perfect. It was really perfect. <laughs> I think that it completely summed up everything that the Clone Wars has been building to, what it has stood for, what the themes of the entire show have been. I, I felt such, when the credits rolled, I was like, yes, that's exactly how it should have ended. No bombastic anything, no... It was just quiet, solemn, this reflection of this war that shouldn't have been fought in the first place, this like fake war that separated friends and destroyed relationships. And I think that it 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 did that perfectly. Yeah, it's getting a little emotional while you were talking about it just now. <laughs> I think I think, you know, for me coming to the end of this story, it, it just it just kind of blew my mind just how emotionally satisfying the end of this was and like, I didn't feel that way about The Rise of Skywalker. And so to have this piece that, like, to be honest, I was really worried about it <laughs> because I didn't feel that feeling that I was hoping to feel in December. And so, you know, uh, I feel like a lot of us who felt that way about The Rise of Skywalker are still kind of grieving the end of that story and just kind of coming to accept that it wasn't what we had wanted it to be. And, and that's okay. Um, so to come into this and to have it be so emotionally satisfying, even though it takes place within the darker middle chapter of the whole saga, I think is just an incredible feat. And I am just so impressed with it and so in love with it, I think. And I don't know if this is my favorite episode out of the Siege of Mandalore, but it might be because it just, it had, it did what it needed to do. And, you know, it really showed us what the characters were feeling, even though they weren't talking the whole time. And I think it did it so well. And even having these like action sequences that were really thrilling and like, but like really hard to watch too, because you know that none of this is fair. None of this is right. And it's not going to be right for a really long time. And a lot of people are going to be lost along the way. And it is just about survival and even knowing that Rex and Ahsoka are going to survive to the next adventure and to be the next touchstone and point of hope for other people too in the future. It just, I don't know. I, I just, it's kind of a hard episode to talk about. I think mm -hmm. we were writing our show notes and I was like, I really don't even know what to write in here. Like, I think we just need to start talking about it. I think it's, 
because it's it like there is such like we we've been saying this the whole time and and you know all of us have been because this is in Revenge of the Sith right the inevitability of it all or this is like our new favorite word on Sky Talkers <laughs> is the inevitability of it and it's like yeah this is where it came to we knew it would and it did it and it did it well and there's just something really satisfying about that about coming to the end of the line with these characters and feeling something about what they're experiencing on screen, feeling that pain for them and that remorse and that like grieving that it's all over. And I don't know. It just, yeah, it's hard to talk about. I think that it's interesting because I agree with you while there wasn't a lot of conversation, not a lot of uh, reflection of the emotions. There was an amazing reflection in this episode of I think the conversation between Rex and Ahsoka, w- which results in Ahsoka taking off Rex's helmet and him crying underneath, I think really sums up what the Clone Wars has been trying to do for seven seasons. The Clone Wars had the ambitious task of humanizing the clones, and they did it by <laughs> casting the same voice actor to play them all. But we all really did fall in love with Captain Rex. And we understood that the friendship between Ahsoka and Rex was something that was going to be carried throughout the entire season, or the entire series, right? Um, we knew that from the moment that she stepped off the Star, Destro- uh, the Star Destroyer and she was going to be Anakin's Padawan and they have the whole conversation about experience, right? Um, that they were going to be working together in a different capacity than Anakin and Ahsoka were going to. And they, that Ahsoka was going to learn so much from Rex, and um, but also Anakin and Obi-Wan. It was going to be two separate sides of war, something that we were familiar with, with Anakin, Anakin Skywalker, and Captain Rex, a character we, ha- we didn't know before, right? Mm-hmm. And to have this moment of Ahsoka taking off his helmet, which I think in a way... I think the helmets dehumanize the clones, right? I mean, this is the whole thing about helmets. We've talked about this before with Kylo Ren, with Vader, everything. The the unmasking of a helmet, even in The Mandalorian, is a huge moment of seeing the deeper inside, the the emotional the emotional core, the veil is, is completely taken off, the the mask of um who they're trying to be is peeled away. And so the physicality of taking off the mask, I think, is such a beautiful way to end the Clone Wars because that's exactly what the Clone Wars was trying to do this entire time. And then underneath that, you see Rex crying. And I think it just, it does everything that it needed to do because we see the emotions behind these characters. And Rex is really the only one, right, who is aware of what's happening, the betrayal that is happening, the fact that he once they leave that room, he's going to have to kill some of his friends because they have no other choice, you know, and that's the only way that they're going to get out. And that's what he's trying to tell Ahsoka. And I think that just even this inclusion, this this one conversation to me meant so much in the grand scheme of the Clone Wars. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. It's just it was such a hard scene to watch. And that was that was when I lost it <laughs> when I was watching the episode and started crying and then basically didn't stop till I was over till it was over. Um, because I, I remember last week we were talking about this, about how far was Rex going to have to go to get out and what kind of toll was that going to take on him? And so when we started this episode and he was kind of aggressive in why did you let Maul out? And um, we have to, like, are we just going to shoot through them? And Ahsoka is like, no, we're not going to do that. And Rex is like, we have to, like, 
they're going to kill – like, I don't think you get this. Like, they're going to kill you. And Ahsoka knows that. And I remember thinking, like, wow, is this is this really what they're doing? Like, sure, this is not how Rex feels. This is surely not how Rex feels. And Ahsoka takes the moment to also know that because she knows Rex so well. And her taking off the helmet, it was it was just such a beautiful moment. And I was like, this is not okay. <laughs> this is not okay at all. I'm like tearing up just thinking about it. It was just such a vulnerable moment. And that is like, that's the big conversation of this episode. And it really, it's just like, this is, you just know. It's like once they leave that that bridge, then... Who knows what's going to happen in the end of it and seeing the decisions that they make as they go along, whether it's like – it was kind of funny seeing those lifts go up and down and the clones that were on them just like <laughs> – It was so violent. I mean, in, it was. in not like a, a grotesque way, but it was like, whoa, that just happened. Yeah. Yeah, it was. But it was uh, like everything that they were having to do and, and knowing that like all of the clones were against them. I just it was really emotional and of course coupled with the ending of, you know, Rex walking away with a shovel and Ahsoka standing there in in front of this graveyard. It just really put everything into perspective. And what I think is so great about this series, this the Siege of Mandalore that could really only be told at this juncture in time, you know, in in 2020 having something like like the end, like the the whole tone of this episode is very Rogue One, right? Of mm-hmm. the like the way that the music is set up, kind of this like best combination of Revenge of the Sith and like Rogue One combo. Like, ouch! Mm-hmm. <laughs> they really took the most painful tracks and tones from <laughs> Kevin Kynerden, who was like, "Yeah, let's do that. Let's go with that." <laughs> and you know, this kind of slow motion of watching this ship crash and this whole thing, like. The whole ending with Ahsoka and Rex and the clones and Vader all on the end. That is like it's this small scale story of this ship crashing. It's just one ship crashing out of hundreds of thousands of people that are being killed across the galaxy at that moment when Order 66 is happening. And we're just seeing this one piece of it. But like because of everything that's come before, because of who of knowing who Ahsoka and Rex are, it just it becomes so much more meaningful. I don't know. I, I feel like I've lost my train of thought, and I'm kind of talking in circles. But <laughs> that's kind of the the way that I I think about the episode too, though. Yeah, is, it's just so much. I really do think that Clone Wars as a show, there's so many things that were kind of uh, microcosmic in this episode about the Clone Wars as a whole or Star Wars as a whole. I think. Uh, you kind of alluded to one about how um, they're super trapped in this in this ship and um, by them crashing down, it was like the only way that they could do it was to crash. And I think that's exactly what happens in Revenge of the Sith, which is why Revenge of the Sith begins with a, a ship crash. Everything crashes to the ground. Everything good, everything exciting crashes to the ground. But I do think that just to circle back on my thought, the removal of the helmet I think is exactly what Clone Wars was doing. We were getting to the humanity of clones. We were removing that helmet. We were peeling back that layer. And to see that layer at the very end of Rex crying and them getting to know each other and be on equal footing, I think is speaks really loads to the amount of character development that has happened. And um, also really speaks to your point about how we're really in the most painful part of Star Wars right now where we know what they're up against. We know what they're facing. 
Yeah, I think getting to live within Order 66 for a while was really smart. And Dave was talking about this, I think, on – I think it was the Clone Wars download for Shattered, actually, yep. that just came out today. And he was saying, you know, in Revenge of the Sith, we see kind of this quick flash of all these moments of, of Order 66 within Revenge of the Sith. And he's like, you know, to keep up the pace of the movie, that's kind of what you had to do. And we see these Jedi being taken down pretty quickly. And then he goes on to say, but, you know, I always thought that there were probably instances where, you know, there are Jedi survivors. We know there are. And there were also probably Jedi that put up like a longer fight and were able to survive and some who put up a longer fight and weren't able to survive, which makes a lot of sense. And so he's showing us this version of of a Jedi who survives, of an ex-Jedi and an ex-clone trooper who survive. And so... Like living within this, it's not just a flash, it's 40 minutes of Order 66. And that is, that's, that's emotional. That's hard to watch, especially when it is so focused on the clones. And, you know, that's never been our main focus in Star Wars, but this season of Clone Wars has really kind of shifted that, I think, for us. And I think when we're rewatching Clone Wars and certain episodes of it, I think they're going to be a lot more meaningful for us because. I think this season has really changed our perception and just our appreciation for the clone characters, I think, overall. And for that, I that's just one of the many reasons why I've loved this season and especially this last episode. Yeah, I do think that this season in, in total has done loads to help us even examine our relationship with the clones. I think that the Bad Badge arc was a perfect start. And even in the earlier episodes of the Siege of Mandalore arc, even kind of reintroducing Jesse and kind of having us feel something for Jesse, a clone who I, I don't know, I just haven't really thought that much about. Sorry. But having him, you know, his mind be invaded by Maul. And then later when it's just Rex versus Jesse, you feel something because you're reintroduced to this clone who was a good friend to Rex, a good soldier right next to him. Um, if they didn't do that, I, I don't know. I feel like I wouldn't feel the same thing that I felt towards the end of Jesse being unwilling to go against his orders. And, you know, there's such a tension of the the clones just, I, 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 I can't with it because it is so, it's such a paradox, isn't it? Like they created the clones in secret a Jedi did Sifo-Dyas. Some that 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 story is very confusing, right? But whatever, the clones were were created in secret, and the clones then were manufactured to be even better than battle droids that they would be facing against the the separatists, the everything to do with the separatists, and because of that, the clones became a perfect addition to fighting alongside the Jedi and learned everything that they could from the Jedi and learned their battle patterns. That's something we examined in the Bad Batch arc, right? Mm -hmm. Only end for that to actually be a major detriment to a Jedi versus the clones because the clones are nimble and savvy against the Jedi. It's, it's what killed them. Their own, their own soldiers killed them. And I think that it's the clone wars. I think it's, it's done well in, Revenge of the Sith, you understand what's happening. Um, and for years we had that where, you know, that made perfect sense by even just examining this further. And then you also have a character like Ahsoka who is fully respecting the clones. It, it's it's unreal. The ending of this entire series ends with her burying the clones and putting their 
their their helmets on pyres in a respectful way. So, you know, even leading with Jesse, someone who tried to kill Rex and kill her. And I think it's just an unbelievable, like it's such a it's an, an act of respect. It's an act of gratitude for people who, you know, sometimes you just wouldn't even think that someone would feel that way about uh, people who tried to kill them when they were trying to get away. Right. And I think that it, it makes such sense. I go on and on about on the show about certain things like uh, droid injustices. And the, I feel like the clones, <laughs> the clones are the same way, though. And I've only felt that in this like so much in the season recently. Um, and I the fact that the show ends with like the last three minutes of um, Ahsoka giving and paying respect to the people that she fought alongside of, despite their actions in the end is speaks so much to the story of star Wars. I mean, that's exactly what Luke Skywalker does to Vader, right? Paying respects in the end, despite his actions. And I think that it's so star Wars. And I even think that, you know, when I saw that it's, it's really true that the, the pyres um, of the stormtrooper helmets in the Mandalorian, it really hits different now. Like, what does it mean? (laughs) I think that now, and Dave knows what he was doing, what he was doing. (laughs) So, like, those stakes just look so different now, and it's not okay. I'm also pretty sure that that was the first time we saw that was Dave's episode. So, he knows. Yeah. <laughs> he knows he what was, he's doing. He's like, they all think he's, this is vicious, but it's sad. The inversion of it is, like, the perfect inversion. And that's what Star Wars – Star Wars does that so well sometimes, where you're like, wow, can't believe that. I've seen this a hundred times at this point, and now I'm going to think about it differently. <laughs> yeah. perfect. Yeah, it, it is. And – yeah, it does really just speak so much to Ahsoka. The fact that, you know, in the last episode, she had said to Rex, you know, this isn't your fault when he was still under the influence of the chip. And she knows that. It doesn't make it any easier, though. And it certainly doesn't. It, it, it just makes it almost that much harder because that's what we were saying. Like like you were saying, the paradox of, of this whole thing is to – give the clones more humanity, to expound upon the Clone Wars themselves, what it was, what it meant, to up the ante of what we see in Revenge of the Sith. And the whole, the the end point of getting to know all these clones is taking away their individuality with this inhibitor chip. And that, that just sucks. <laughs> <laughs> it, like, where is Wrecker? <laughs> you know? <laughs> it just... All of like the Bad Batch and, and everyone who was involved and and en- that ending shot on Jesse's helmet, it, like it just speaks to how emotional this season was as someone who was not that invested in the clone stories before now to be crying at them ending on Jesse's helmet. <laughs> it's, and it, the helmets of the Ahsoka troopers who have it all painted. I mean, I yeah. can't forget about that. <laughs> no, no, no. I would never. <laughs> <laughs> can never. That can visual. <laughs> I can't. Never forget. Yeah. I think, you know, it's interesting kind of, we're kind of talking, I feel like very, gen- not generally, but in circles about like the end of this episode and I and it being the end of the series. And I think we we do need to talk about like Vader and the being at the end and uh, what it means. Is it meaningful to have Vader at the end of this story? You know, Dave has said that the last season of Clone Wars is really focused, supposed to be focused on Ahsoka and Rex, like seeing things through their eyes. So is it meaningful to have a character like Darth Vader show up at the very end? And we talked about this when Rogue One came out and we're talking about it now. Like, 
is this, you know, you you said earlier, Charlotte, that Star Wars or that Dave um, doesn't sacrifice story for nostalgia. And so was this moment of having Darth Vader, was that nostalgia? No, I don't think so at all. The story is Anakin's fall and part of his fall and part of his attachment to Ahsoka is part of that. It is. And I think that it's... Anakin has been a core part of the story for so long that it only makes sense that while Ahsoka, we, we see the struggle throughout this entire arc, really, of Ahsoka uh, fi- seeing Anakin for the last time and then learning things about Anakin and the inevitability of it all and <laughs> the dark the dark future and then not getting a chance to speak to him. So in the end, it's just all the more tragic that you see him there and you see him pick up the lightsaber that he had give, gifted to Ahsoka four episodes before. And I think that it's it only makes sense that he's in the end. I, I didn't think it was nostalgic at all. What I did think was slightly nostalgic was like the Hoth vibes and the 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 visual cues of it being like Hoth. But I honestly think that that was to throw you off in terms of the time period and also the planet. I think that it was supposed to make us feel very um, unsteady on our feet about the about where we were and what was about to occur. And I think that was the purpose of it. Um, I don't think it was supposed to be comforting. I think it was supposed to be uncomfortable, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Or maybe what already has happened. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I yeah, I agree with you. I don't think it was nostalgic at all. I think it I was so surprised to see Vader. I was definitely not expecting <laughs> to see Vader that I don't think that even entered into my consciousness about this episode (laughs) and I think that it was perfect like I think comparing the end of Rogue One to the end of Clone Wars in this manner with Vader I think is is a really good comparison to make because at the end of Rogue One it's almost more for the function of the story to be this kind of baton like this literal baton passing into a new hope but at the end of Clone Wars it's a more emotional use of vader whereas i think rogue one was more story structure this one was more like character driven i think and it is kind of it is kind of interesting thinking about like yeah you're right like the hoth vibes so i think i had kind of been assuming or just automatically thinking that this is before the events of rebels but this very well could be empire strikes back time and so ahsoka has already come back through the world between worlds and yeah, and then Vader finds her lightsaber after everything that's happened on Malachor. Well, and remember all of that, that Morai is there also at the end, and Morai was in the world between worlds. Yeah, I feel like Morai could show up at any time, though. It doesn't true, really matter. True, true. <laughs> true. She she just goes in and out of the world between worlds whenever she wants. Love her. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, that's a good point. So. Again, this is this is kind of the question of what we were talking about. Um, like if Ahsoka and Anakin had had one more conversation in Clone Wars after the one we saw in the very first episode of the Siege of Mandalore, what does it mean for Ahsoka and for Anakin depending on when in the timeline they have those conversations? Like if Ahsoka and Anakin had had another conversation, say, right after Anakin had his first nightmare about Padme, what would that mean for both of those characters? What would it look like? I think the same kind of conversation is is good to have or to just kind of be thinking about as far as character developments of if we if when we see Vader at the end of this episode is actually Empire Strikes Back time, where does that put him emotionally when he finds Ahsoka's lightsaber? If it's before the events of Rebels have ever occurred, 
where does that put him emotionally? If, if we're not actually even on Hoth, right? <laughs> I think that's a possibility too. I think it's an interesting discussion. I agree because after Empire, Vader is learning things that Palpatine has kept from him and also beginning to think kind of selfishly about, but also in an understandable way about reaching out to Luke Skywalker, his son, and what that means for overtaking Palpatine. And you get kind of this understanding as as expressed in comics so much, really, of uh, Vader's own remorse and his his almost awakening to how much he's been wronged in that time period, right? Mm-hmm. And if if he does find these sabers later through some will of the Force, like I think that we can understand that from the fact that Morai is flying ahead uh, overhead, right? I think we do think of sort of the cosmic force when we see a convoy. You know, it would just make sense that he would feel a sense of remorse in this moment because if he was already feeling this a- a- awakening, really, of um, how much he's been wronged since Palpatine lied about his son and everything, right? Mm-hmm. How much did, did he lie to him and how much had he lost? So then when he picks up the sabers, he's like, wow, I've, I've really lost so much. You know, I think that he thinks that anyway. But after after the events of Empire Strikes Back, you have to wonder what sort of loss he is feeling hear me out on this okay what if so this is empire strikes back time right we're just gonna pretend and vader takes the lightsaber puts it somewhere and then in return the after return the jedi timeline he shows up to ahsoka as a force ghost and tells her where her lightsaber is that would be super cool how great would that be i would love it (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Me too. <laughs> That's it. Thank you for listening. <laughs> yeah, I, I completely agree with everything that you said. I do think on the topic of like having Anakin at the end of this story, of having Vader at the end of this story and what it means, uh, Dave did this really fantastic interview with Entertainment Tonight, and they asked him about this, and I actually think his answer was really good. It was perfectly Dave. <laughs> and so... We're going to read it. (laughs) So the interviewer, I believe it was Ash Carson, actually asked um, basically, you know, wow, Vader was there. (laughs) When did you think of this? (laughs) And Dave's answer goes, quote, that's an idea I've had for a very long time. As I went over different ways to end the show, that was always one of the options I had. Ultimately, since Star Wars is a saga about the Skywalker family and Anakin plays a large role in the Clone Wars, but also in Ahsoka's life, I felt that if you watch the four parts, as much as Sidious has this hidden layer of character arc in the episodes, so does Anakin. I wanted to draw a full arc for him where if you've never seen Star Wars, you hopefully will be able to understand that the young man that Ahsoka is very good friends with, that's like a brother to her in the beginning, that the villain Maul says, hey, he's going to turn out to be this bad guy. In the end, you see that, well, actually, that was unfortunately true. The through line is the lightsabers that he worked on for her. There's this symbolic arc of Anakin underneath it all. I mean, I know why I did that and what it means, but I don't like to explain too much. I love for the viewers to watch stuff and come up with their own theories, and they frankly come up with better things than I ever intended. But it's a way to have his character express without violating anything that happened in the films. It doesn't change anything about Vader, but it helps bridge into the work we did in Rebels, and you can see that whole arc. One of the tragic things for me is that in her friendship with Anakin, much like him, Ahsoka is going to deny what certain truths might be and not accept certain things because they are terrible. All the way through Rebels, you see that she's not willing to accept what the truth is, even though it's eventually staring her in the face. 
It was a nice way to bring shape to the whole series that shows you a subversive thing about what the Clone Wars was really about for Anakin, how Ahsoka found her way through it intact, which is what I believe, and just show that the clones, for all their character and all their individuality, by the end you also have stormtroopers walking around who are completely devoid of it. Everything is bleached out. Everything is pretty stark. Everything's washed away color-wise, which is what George did at the end of Revenge of the Sith. A lot of things they do are just ways of taking what George did and reasserting them, enhancing them, showing that this is what his half of Star Wars is about, ultimately, and how the heroes will prevail through it, despite all the wickedness of their enemy, end quote. And I just, I think that, like, no one talks about Star Wars better than Dave, (laughs) and the way that he talked about there being this hidden arc of Anakin throughout these four episodes, when he said that, it just clicked for me. I was like, oh, that's what I've been taking 20 minutes to say in every single episode we've had. (laughs) And he just summed it up in one (laughs) sentence. (laughs) I was like, ah, yes, that's why he... (laughs) That's why he's doing what he does. (laughs) That's why he's doing what he does and making good money doing it. (laughs) And I'm here in my closet. (laughs) But I just, like him talking about, you know, it being like this show is about partially about seeing Anakin fall to the dark side. It's about seeing how Ahsoka found her way through it. I just, I love how he said that. Um, you know, it's what it, this shows what it's really about for Anakin, getting to this end point of Vader, how Ahsoka got to the end and, and what that means for the clone troopers who, like, it is very visual of just coming to this very white place. And maybe that was more what Dave meant than trying to make it look like Hoth, right? It's that yep. everything is gone. And I just think that that ending shot is just, it's, perfect Mm -hmm. (laughs) of the clone trooper helmet painted with Ahsoka's markings and Vader's reflection walking away from it that's the Clone Wars all in all in one shot and it's so symbolic it's not a cheap shot either it's it's not it's not trying to make you feel something it doesn't have to make you feel because like the fact that that's a graveyard that it comes from that the clones did that painting on their mask for Ahsoka, that the lightsaber that Anakin is, that Vader is walking away with is the one he gifted back to Ahsoka after her horrible betrayal from the Jedi Order, when he in turn, just a few months later, however long, would betray the Jedi himself. And this reflection of him walking away from both of those images, the the symbols of those two like very important factions in his life as Anakin Skywalker, it just it means everything. It's the graveyard of his life, of his past, of the past of the galaxy. It just it it was the best last shot. I don't know what other show has ended like this that I was like, wow, <laughs> I can't get over it. I I'm sure that he has a drawing of that somewhere <laughs> that he did, and I would like to see it. Agreed. Um, it really is so good. And, you know, I think that Dave is actually really good at summarizing. This is what I meant at the beginning when I said I think Dave is really good at endings. And it's a skill to be good at endings. You know, it's a skill to understand what your characters need at the end and not relish in this this, uh, this need to have this earth-shattering, you know, show-changing ending. So many shows failed. So many movies failed, you know. I can think we can think of you know Game of Thrones. We can think of How I Met Your Mother, and in some cases, we can think of The Rise of Skywalker. All of these things, I think that uh, I, I don't know, perhaps like didn't earn their ending, and I think that this really did. 
And I think that thinking about Dave's style with Rebels, the way that Rebels ended also, I, you know, I think probably the most iconic shot in the Rebels ending is Sabine's beautiful painting of the family, you know? And mm-hmm. I think that that family, again, it's an earned family. It's an you have four seasons of them hating each other, loving each other, hating each other, loving each other, growing with each other, you know, leaving each other, all these things at the very end to have this painting that commemorates them, even those who have fallen, I think is is perfect. It's always been perfect, you know, and I, I get the same sentiment, really. I think it works better in the Clone Wars for reasons that are way more symbolic, I think, that and probably just because of my own uh, tie to the Skywalker saga and Anakin himself, right? I think it works better for me in in the Clone Wars and it does in Rebels, but I do think that it, it's so successful in both of these cases. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think, too, what sets this episode apart is not only that it is relatively quiet as far as characters talking, but it isn't about this parade of cameos, <laughs> for lack of a better word. Like, you know how so many shows when they end, it's like, let's have a flashback. Let's bring back so-and-so. Let's bring back so-and-so. And this episode, I think, has like four voice actors in it. Um, Maybe less. I think you're right. (laughs) I think it's very small uh, cast. Sam, Ashley. D. D and Dave. Yeah. (laughs) So really, it's just... Sam, Ashley, and D. <laughs> I, I think I might be forgetting someone, but I'm not sure who if I am, um, uh-huh. which case I apologize. But like and, – and that's like part of the tone of this story too. You know, of course, like How I Met Your Mother is a comedy. So it's very different than yeah. The Clone Wars. So, of course, the tone of the end of that show is going to be very different. But this wasn't about – I think I thought maybe there would be reveals in this. I don't know why, but I think I did. Um, Or like a cliffhanger. And I didn't feel that way. Of course, I'm asking, well, what happens next? But I just – I feel so satisfied by where these characters came to, the the way that they responded to these situations around them. And I think there was just something really perfect about – it really did just come down to Ahsoka and Rex figuring it out together. And having to reconcile with the new world that they've literally crashed into. And there is just something really somber about it. Right. And I think that even this episode really did solidify Ahsoka's choice to, in the end, she lets go of her past, right? She she drops the saber. And I think that this was such an important moment. I think even the music is kind of evocative of the Ahsoka Leaves theme um, two seasons back. I think that it's it's different. I think the music, Kevin Kiner absolutely killed it with the music. Blade Runner, 2001 A Space Odyssey. I feel like all these themes kind of come in and create a certain tone that is um, melancholy, Is feels sacrificial, feels so sad and really appropriate. But I think Ahsoka, you even have the line from the last episode of Ahsoka being kind of unsure whether or not she's going to come back to the Jedi Council. When she's on that hologram, she says not yet, I believe, mm-hmm. yeah. about that. And I think that 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 is, like I said, the last episode, it was pretty fresh. We just recorded it, you know, two days ago, so I, I remember it. But I think I said that each 
you know, each piece of dialogue in these four episodes is so crucial, so important um, to where we're going to go in the end. And I really feel that way about that certain piece of dialogue, because I think that her her decisiveness to really just not be a Jedi. And but at the same time, she's making that choice to to turn away. But also she had to make the choice to turn away. That choice was never going to be it was taken away from her, right? In in so many different ways. And but in the end of it, she's not climbing to reach this this pinnacle that she has been thrown away from, right? She doesn't have to earn anything to be back into the Jedi. Um, instead, she's choosing to let go. And again, that is a huge lesson of the Jedi, an ability to let go. And in a lot of ways, Ahsoka represents the best of the Jedi and what who the Jedi should be, what they should in in the the irony of turning away from um, an organization that had wronged her. That organization, she is somehow even better than that organization and exemplifies those those abilities and um, compassion and the, that ability to let go so much more than the people that are in charge there. And I think that it was it was just perfect. <laughs> we keep saying that it was perfect, but it really was. It really just got to the, the heart of who these characters are in this spot in their life. Yeah, it put them in, in the situation that's going to define generations. Yep. <sighs> <laughs> so much. Let's talk about Maul for a second, because I think that it was an interesting story, story choice that they weren't going to team up. They're not coming ah, up. The one regret. <laughs> but I feel like we can't have it all. So it's okay. <laughs> yeah, that's true. The <laughs> mall was just so uh, petulant in this episode. <laughs> it was so funny, I thought. <laughs> I mean, it was very serious. Don't get me wrong. He's he's very formidable. <laughs> But Very brute strength kind of guy. <laughs> yeah, it's like crush a beer can on his forehead, like no problem. <laughs> but he was just so angry in this whole episode at Ahsoka for saying no to him. <laughs> like you can just tell that that is specifically what he is angry at. <laughs> and at the end, when they're when she's running to the shuttle and she's running to the shuttle, and he's like, "Well, you wanted chaos." <laughs> throws those boxes back at her he's just so angry at her for saying no and um when we talked with katie on our mall episode it was you know she talked a lot about you know everything is personal for mall it doesn't really matter what's happening it's that it's it's personal it's like a personal affront to him and i think that's exactly how he acted in this episode especially the like very brief time that he was with ahsoka and i thought it was kind of funny but Holy crap, seeing him take down the hyperdrives, I about lost my mind. And it was so cool. <laughs> it was so cool. And I was like, where are they going? What is going to happen? I still don't know where they are, really. <laughs> but <laughs> that whole shot of him just bringing it down and and then the the ship falling out of hyperspace in pieces, it was breathtaking. It was it was like Oh my god. It it was you could just tell how great the anime animators did uh, in this mm-hmm. whole I mean they have throughout this whole whole series honestly and especially this last season but these last shots just the I don't know like the color scheme of this episode was really great because we do like really the only time that we're in this really dark place is when 
were with Maul during this hyperdrive. But the rest of it, we're kind of in the ship. We're on the bridge. We're out in this hangar. And there's a lot of, honestly, like a lot of blue sky around us, (laughs) which is kind of a contrast to what's going on emotionally for these characters and how it's, I don't know, how it's, even it's a bright, sunny day, but they're still crashing. I don't know. We we talked a lot about the lighting because Revenge of the Sith, of course, has a very specific lighting pattern as it goes from day to, you know, sunset to twilight to nighttime as Anakin begins to fall to the dark side. And I think we, we kind of tracked some with that in the first half of the Siege of Mandalore. But this episode really kind of threw it on its head. And it was it was an emotional contrast, I think. And I still think it looked beautiful. Me too. I think that it's some of the points of animation were so perfect. First off, I don't know if we've mentioned this enough, but Ahsoka's look in this mm. whole arc was so great. She looks different than she does um, in in previous arcs, in previous seasons. She definitely has a whole new model. And I think that her her head tails are longer. She does look like more of a woman. And I think that it it works perfectly. She could not be cooler in these episodes. And I think that her, the animation was perfect. Literally yeah, perfect. It was. I also think that the shot of that you're referring to when it does fall out of hyperspace and the ship is kind of losing parts and losing, it's like literally steaming, smoking in in space. It is so cool. It's It was one of those breathtaking moments that I felt similarly again to Rogue One when the Star Destroyer comes out of hyperspace and crashes yeah. into a bunch of rebel shot. Like I felt like, oh my God, wow, that is a great shot. And when you get that moment in animation, you have to really pause in it because it is really breathtaking, really beautiful. I also have to say that in the last couple of shots on the planet, even in the snow, I felt like I was looking at a matte painting. In yeah. a way, I, I guess I was because it was so gorgeous i also think that the darth vader model was perfect i feel like the they really had an attention to detail to i don't know i felt like it was anakin and it's a weird thing because you don't actually yes it was perfect i have like i'm sure we haven't gotten any sort of behind the scenes at the time of recording but i'm sure that attention to detail was put into place because i know that it was so important for george lucas to have Hayden Christensen in the suit at the end of Revenge of the Sith in order to get that transition. And Hayden was so excited about it. He was like, you know, this is what it's all about. Oh, my God. You know, I mean, <laughs> I mean who wouldn't be like that? Right. And I think that it's it's so interesting because there's a there's a really big sense of you don't really get that feeling, really, when you see Darth Vader in a new hope that oh yeah that's Anakin Skywalker like you don't you don't really feel that and if you do I'm I'm jealous of you because it's a little bit of a suspension of disbelief I think that we all have to do to get that you know and part of that I think is part of the story is that you're supposed to really be like wow that's a different guy <laughs> you know <laughs> and you know what it is <laughs> yeah but it also at the end of it in in the story you're supposed to be like wow it's not a different guy at all he just looked different you know he, mm-hmm. he he walked different he's completely changed you know and i think that that it makes the surprise at the end that much greater but at the same time it's nice that there were these sort of mannerisms these uh this this way of walking and uh, this height i think that Anakin and the Clone Wars had that I could recognize and I felt it was right. Yeah, it was it was like they took it, which makes you wonder too about the timeline of when this Vader is, but it was like they took the model for Anakin in the Clone Wars 
and like that stature and stance and the way that he walks and put him in Darth Vader's suit, which, you know, is what happens. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. But the, the shot that I remember thinking was particularly great when we were on that planet is when you see his boots walk by Mm -hmm. that really looks like that like you said it looks like a matte painting and then oh my god the shot overhead with him and morai the shadow of morai going around him as he's looking up oh shoot it's so good (laughs) you know it even is kind of evocative a little bit of the sort of great breadth of shot that Ryan Johnson was able to accomplish at the end of of The Last Jedi on Crate. Mm-hmm. I think you really felt this grand sense of space and you feel that way kind of on this planet as well. Yeah, yeah. But then having this almost like enclave where this where this graveyard is mm-hmm. that they walk up to, it just <sighs> they did so many things right. I I can't get over it. I am just so pleased and relieved and happy and sad about it all I think it I really do think it ended I don't know if there's anything I would change I I wouldn't change anything about any of these arcs there are still things I want to see like I want to see Ahsoka and Obi-Wan have a conversation you know um there are still those things that I want to see and I think at some at one point there could have been room for them in the Siege of Mandalore but I think that I think that it was great not to take this story out of the moment of the crash to I think it was great to like that's where we leave Ahsoka and Rex is after they've done their duty to the other clones and that's where we leave them and then to pick up in this same space however much however long how much time has passed in the same space but time has passed and we know that because now we see Vader and I don't know. I just – I wouldn't change anything about it. Me neither. Are you ready to talk about characters? Yes. The Jedi Order is your life. You can't just throw it away like this. Ahsoka, you are making a mistake. Maybe. But I have to sort this out on my own. Without the Council. And without you. Okay, welcome to part two where we're talking about characters. I actually feel like we've talked a lot. <laughs> yeah, me too. Characters already, but just a couple of things I don't think we talked about in part one. We'll talk about Ahsoka first. This moment, you know, we talked about in the second episode that there were a lot of – in The Phantom Apprentice, sorry, it took me a minute to remember the name of that episode, <laughs> that there were a lot of – obviously, it's very parallel to The Last Jedi and the throne room is a great moment. I thought it was interesting to actually see kind of this uh, Rise of Skywalker parallel where Ahsoka stops Maul's ship in a very similar manner to how we see – Ray force hold the ship, the transport in The Rise of Skywalker. What was great about this moment was just seeing a character in a similar choice make a different decision. And it was, one, I didn't know Ahsoka was that strong in the force <laughs> to hold a ship that Maul was piloting back. <laughs> so that was pretty cool. But I I just really love this moment when she she doesn't, like crash the ship she just lets it go she doesn't uh, that goes to her her entire decision at the end of letting go it's the whole theme of this entire episode exactly and she she lets go of maul and then her and rex are able to find another option and ahsoka 
Ahsoka will never put herself first in situations like this. And she could have let Rex continue, you know, defending her and, you know, potentially die. And then she could have had time to bring down Maul's ship and then get on it herself. But if she took that option, then there was a chance that Rex wouldn't make it. And so it was better to let Maul go and see if they either, like, they either live or die together. And uh, just like Anakin says at the beginning of Revenge of the Sith, uh, his fate will be the same as ours. And I think that that's kind of what Ahsoka takes with her into that moment, too. And it was just, it was nice to, it was, I liked, I liked the parallel, actually, with Rise of Skywalker. And I liked seeing Ahsoka's choice in that moment, too. It spoke really to her character overall. Yeah. And I mean, if you think through that entire thing, right, say she was able to bring the ship back using the force and Maul wasn't able to leave, then she has to fight Maul. Rex wouldn't have been able to fend off anything by himself. Right. And I think it really just solidified that it's really it's Rex and Ahsoka in this in the end. It's not Ahsoka and Maul as much as some of us would like to see that. (laughs) It's Rex and Ahsoka as they've been from the very beginning. And Maul will continue to thrive in the chaos and take any ability, um, any chance at growing his power that he possibly can. And that's what he does, right? And I think that he was surprised that Ahsoka as you know, we have Maul, who's a character that we've talked about as someone who you know, craves this uh, duology really of um, a master and apprentice, right? He always wants that. And the surprise of Ahsoka saying no to him, I think is is really aids to that understanding of who Maul is. And the moment he hears that, he's like, I'm out. I have a different whole, I have a whole different thing. I'm going to go and find power in a different way. It's like you're uh, on your own. <laughs> yeah, like clearly you didn't want to listen to me. And look what's happening. <laughs> You know, I think, yeah, I think he reached that point, you know, in the last episode when he's in the coffin. He's like, wow, I did this to myself. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But, uh, you know, Dave Filoni talks about how he's always underestimates his opponent. And I actually would push it back back against that in that in this moment, I think he realizes that there's not an opponent here. He's just got to take his 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 way to go and go because he has greener pastures he really does <laughs> and <laughs> and i just think it's so interesting because it really it just solidifies you know he said he says so much about how he, you know he loves chaos and he's like thrives in the chaos and that's exactly what he's going to do and he did thrive in the chaos the chaos of everywhere around them it, the, that's the reason why ahsoka let him go it what's interesting is to consider that line that ahsoka says in the last episode of don't make me regret this and it's like well is she gonna regret it i don't know it's interesting right because if if maul just stayed there would maul have died in in the the force coffin on this crash ship like everyone else did the ship wouldn't be crashing oh that's true wow but would they would like that was actually a, a good distraction. So yeah. would they have been able to even make it off the ship? Right. It all had to go in this domino effect. Yeah. I mean, there's the thing about right, the inevitability of the second trilogy era is that <laughs> take the shot every time you hear inevitability. Don't do fun. that. Please be Don't safe. Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> Scratch it off here. Sky Talkers Bingo. <laughs> it, it's just, it's that you just, you take out one obstacle, another will fall in its place because this is the way that the story will go. And we've known it from the beginning. 
you know, it's like it's like Hades Town. We know this story, but we still come back to it, even though it ends tragically. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the droids. All right, guys. My our friend Megan, uh, Megan Armstrong on Twitter, she texted me after this episode and was like, "Hey, is cheap chopper?" And I was like, "I'm sorry, what?" <laughs> and guys. <laughs> I think that cheap is chopper. <laughs> Megan told me this this theory that her and her husband Zach, this like headcanon that they have now, which I don't think is headcanon because cheap is played by Dave Filoni, which we know that chopper is played by Dave Filoni too, and he has a very similar sound and he has the same kind of arms and stuff. And you do see like he gets his head shot off in this episode, but you see that Rex like that droid is underneath the ship when they're at the crash site at the end and he's going to be repaired and Megan was like they'll probably just repaint him and then he becomes Chopper and it kind of blew my mind <laughs> I wouldn't actually be surprised if they did that it's kind of crazy the idea of cheap to chop wow yeah I think that's what happens it's totally possible just given the fact that Dave is the voice actor but I also like just to play devil's advocate maybe Dave just really likes this brand of droid and because he played Chopper he has to play the same type as before you know But it's not the same type it has a different head Yeah That's the thing it has like an R2D2 round dome top but then in Rebels of course he has more of like an oval square, square yeah. yeah, situation. But the arms are the same, and he even waves his arms the same way that Chopper does, and they sound the same. And I'm pretty sure that like the markings on the front of him are the same with all his little droid it could, parts. It could be true. You never know. I think it's true. Yeah. Well. <laughs> I think it's very true. <laughs> so that was <laughs> I was that kind of blew my mind a little bit. I was like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Dave would do that and I'm very happy about it <laughs> on a separate note I really just like in last episode I love the inclusion of the droids in this the helpers and when they you know when they get blasted it really hurts because oh they've been nothing but helpful and they've yeah. been friends to Ahsoka and I just really think that in such a depressing episode having these moments of levity through the the, the droids is perfect it's very Star Wars and it's great I I love it. <laughs> and it, it hurts even more when they basically die, of course. But it, it it is great. Yeah, I enjoyed having them. I really enjoyed them this episode, too. Just seeing them, you know, Ahsoka hanging on that cable and them, like, doing the lifts and everything yes. like that. <laughs> yeah, so good. <laughs> it was really good. And, you know, never underestimate a droid. <laughs> yeah, I just – I think that – I just I really have nothing but nice things to say about this episode. I think it <laughs> maybe that's just like me being biased towards the animation department. Dave, Ahsoka, call it what you will, but it's there. And I really do think that this was such a well done episode and that it hit on all the emotional points that it needed to. I think that the the ending is so important and it's so hard and having that balance of tragedy and hope, especially in this particular story I think is so hard and I think in a lot of ways it's aided by the fact that we do have rebels and we know that Ahsoka and Rex do have lives after this as we mentioned they are lonely but Rex we know that I don't want to give spoilers but we know that Rex finds other people to be with and so does Ahsoka and and there's still a lot about their lives that we don't know and then I think too even seeing Vader at the end of it and that 
in Darth Vader's suit, we know that he is redeemed too. And so Mm -hmm. there is, I think there, like, there is this undercurrent of hope throughout all of that, that they don't meet in those moments, Vader and Ahsoka and Rex, but that that awareness is there, that memory is there, I suppose, and that there is there are brighter days coming ahead. And with Vader, we know that there are. And there's we know that for Ahsoka and Rex, too, but there is still some more question marks with them than with Vader. You know what I was just thinking about? I don't feel like the last minute of the show with showing Vader is sinister in any way. I think no. it's remorseful. I don't think it's, I think that we see bad guy Darth Vader for sure, but I don't, and I think it, but I think that's really just from the stance and the costume and what Anakin has become, but not necessarily the coding of the entire ending of the episode. I don't think that the, the episode doesn't end with the Imperial March. We're not, when Vader ignites the saber, it doesn't feel like he's igniting it to kill. He's igniting it to look at it, to remember, to reflect. Yeah. And I don't, I think that they really could have leaned into the evilness of Vader, but they didn't. And I think that speaks to your point about there being hope there. We've had some, uh, one of our listeners pointed out that they think that they can see Anakin's blue eyes through the mask. I don't know if I see it, but I think that that sentiment is still there, though, of being able to see that, even if I don't necessarily see it, or I did see it, and then I I second guess myself, honestly, a little bit, being able to see that really does, like, instill hope in the fact that Vader does get redeemed in the end, that there is hope for him, that there's hope for the galaxy. And I think that the ending of this series... It's amazing that it didn't lean into the evil of it all, but instead ended in a quiet note rather than yeah. a bombastic note. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I just, I really loved it. And I'm really sad to say goodbye to this series. But as we also always say all the time on this show, now, Charlotte, now you can finally put it up on the shelf. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I've been in kind of denial about this show ending, I'm going to be honest, that I didn't think about putting it on the shelf and the idea of putting it on the shelf. You know, this show has been around for like 12 years, so it's yeah, no, been a constant, a constant of are they going to finish it? Are they going to do it? And now it's going to go on the shelf right next to Rebels. Amazing. Put it Love on it. the shelf. <laughs> yeah, that is so great. I'm sure Dave is so happy about that. Yeah, I... so proud. I know. <laughs> 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 yeah, he really should be. The entire Clone Wars team should be. It was definitely a feat to come back, and it was it just it was really I good. Ask you some questions about reflecting on the end. Oh no, okay, okay. <laughs> okay. Do you have a favorite moment from this entire season? From this entire season? Yeah. Oh, I really love the Phantom Apprentice. Was such an amazing episode. One of the, I guess, like quiet moments that I really loved was when it was in Ahsoka's walkabout and she is just looking up at that transport going to the upper levels of Coruscant. You know which moment I'm talking about? Yeah, it's so good. Yeah, I think that that was a really great moment and it really spoke to where she was. I think I really I think some of the best 
I think some of the best of her was in this episode too. Like that whole epilogue with the two of them, with Rex and Ahsoka there, and her putting down the lightsaber. That's probably one of my favorite moments too. I don't know. What about you? It's hard because I feel like there's a lot, a lot of highs. There wasn't an episode that I didn't like in this yeah. entire series, um, in this entire season. I think that a major high for me was the whole Anakin and Padme scene. Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually kind of amazing. It makes sense to me, but it's amazing that we never got any more Padme or discussion of Padme. I still would have liked to see Ahsoka somehow reach out to Padme. I feel like Padme was a really big person in Ahsoka's life, and I would have liked to see how her reaction to finding out she was dead was. Mm-hmm. Me too. Um, I I think that's kind of a sad miss, but maybe we'll hear we'll hear about it somewhere else. That's the great thing about Star Wars is you can be like, oh yeah, we'll read that later. <laughs> and I really liked the Anakin moment in the beginning of the Siege of Mandalore. I was surprised how much I loved it. The 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 Luke parallel and the Last Jedi, all of the Last Jedi yeah. parallels really blew Ugh. my mind. But I think I think the amount of joy that I felt from this that first episode in the Siege of Mandalore on the battlefield of Anakin being super cocky and like really going for it as at the end of the Clone Wars, being like, "Yeah, I've been doing this for three years. <laughs> this is how it's done. I loved it. It felt really earned. And, you know, after 12 years, I guess, of getting used to Matt Lanter, I never really was getting used to Matt Lanter, but like, I really have an affection for Matt Lanter's Anakin. So seeing that at the end, I was, it was great. And I, I loved his character in that one episode um, where he was just so happy because of the tragedy that happens later. I feel like it really just, it's perfect that he was so happy. Yeah. Um, and I think that the moment that you're talking that you talked about in the walkabout arc i think is a really good moment too i think there was a couple moments of reflection in that arc that were great um but the siege of mandalore i am so excited to watch this as one show like mm-hmm. one entire thing i'm ready to do that i'll probably do that tomorrow honestly yeah. because it's going to be perfect in the way that everything <laughs> just flows together is going to be so great i really hope that there's just like a really long behind the scenes feature out about it <laughs> Please, please don't make it six minutes. <laughs> I want so much of it. <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah, I think there there were just a lot of great moments, and it 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 this season was everything I wanted it to be. So I was really happy with it. If I could ask you one more question, okay. What's your favorite moment in the entire series no. of the Clone Wars? <laughs> Don't say that. <laughs> right now, in this moment, on May the fourth, twenty twenty, it changes all the time for me too. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I the Ahsoka arcs are all my favorite. That that's what I routinely come back to, and I love the ones when she's with Anakin because they're they're just so fun. Like the first episode of Landing on Point Rain. That's a great episode. It t- it gives us Barris. It gives us the square hole with the lightsabers. There's just so much to love about really Landing the Point Rain. <laughs> the Onderon arc, I sing its praises every other episode. <laughs> I love the Onderon arc. <laughs> I love, we love heroes on both sides. 
we, the Ahsoka leaves arc is sad, but so good. But I love the moments. I love the Anakin and Ahsoka moments. The I can't remember what episode it starts, but the one that's very similar to the beginning of Revenge of the Sith, right? Where they're in the two Jedi starfighters and Anakin gets all those um, vulture droids on the bottom of his ship, just yeah. like Obi-Wan does. And Ahsoka has to save him. And he's like, what did I miss? <laughs> It's just, it's so he, funny. He, like, gets knocked out. So yeah. Great. <laughs> and she's, like, dragging his body through the hallways. <laughs> it's so great. And even, like, recently rewatching Holocron Heist, that whole series, man, if you're a fan of The Mandalorian, go watch you Holocron Heist from season two of The Clone Wars. I guarantee you that's going to come up. <laughs> I hope it does anyway. And like that moment when Cad Bane has Ahsoka trapped and Ahsoka's like, just let him go. And Anakin goes, I can't let you die, Ahsoka. Oh, my God, my heart. (laughs) And to like watch that, like the Anakin and Ahsoka relationship is my favorite thing from Clone Wars. So anything that involves them. And I don't know, like her whole character is just seeing her grow up this whole time um, and coming to the end of it like this with Vader and her helmet and her lightsaber. I just. <sighs> so good. Yeah. What is, what is, what is your favorite moment or episode? Um, or arc? I think that it's probably going to be this, this arc. Yeah. Uh, and then also the Ahsoka leaves arc, which I think is just brilliant. Yeah. Um, But it's really hard for me to not say the Mortis arc because that right? to me I just... is, I, I can ret- return to that any time of day, get something new out of <laughs> it. Re- like, <laughs> it's it's perfect. And I think that it's crucial, Star Wars, honestly. So yeah. it's hard for me. Like, those are probably my top three. But everything that you mentioned is like classic Clone Wars. Yeah. And just to speak a little bit about the format of Clone Wars, I think it's so special, this this ability to do arcs, um, to focus on a character journey from point A to B to C to D, you know? I think that it's in, in like, live in a planet for a little bit and then do something completely different. And only the Clone Wars was really the show to do that, you know? I think that Rebels was more episodic, the Mandalorian, I think you can think about the Mandalorian a little bit in arc-ish kind of ways. Like I think that most people think about the Mandalorian as the first three episodes are a singular arc and then the stuff in between and then the last two episodes, you know, are are sort of combined. And I feel, at least of the first season, right, that that's at the time that we're speaking right now. There's only one season. And I feel like the way that Clone Wars works is the arcs really make for this special, like, memorable experience of, oh, remember that one time that Ahsoka and Anakin had to do that one mission and they did that. And it just really works in the format of what the show is trying to say and the way that Jedi go on missions and the way that people grow up. And it really focuses in on certain themes, too, that I think really works in the advantage of storytelling in Star Wars. Yeah, Clone Wars is just, it really is a special thing. And we were really lucky to have it. <laughs> so lucky. It's like, it's it's so hard because I want to say more about this episode and I think I'll be thinking about it forever, but I just, I can't, I really can't get over how perfect the ending was. It really was. It was perfect. Yeah. And I'm so, I'm so thankful. Yeah, it really was perfect. And I know that we'll be thinking about this for a long time. <laughs> this is essential Star Wars. I, you need to watch it. If you're listening to this, you know that you've been there. 
you cried. We know. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, I just, if if anyone involved in Star Wars and Lucasfilm and the animation department is listening, thank you. Just thank you so much for all the hard work that you've put into this series, whether it was from 2005 all the way through or just bits and pieces here and there or just in the last season. It's your work has been so good <laughs> and it's been so meaningful for people like us. So thank you. Truly thank you. This has really just been a great part of our of our lives, honestly, of our friendship, of our lives, and of our podcast too. So it means a lot to us and to a lot of other people as well. So I'll just send that gratitude out into, <laughs> into the internet because I know that we both feel it very much. Yes, we really do. You said it right. Yeah. So I – I think that is going to wrap up this episode. (laughs) (laughs) I am so thankful that we got to talk about new cloners episodes on Sky Talkers. We definitely did not ever anticipate that. I don't think so. Uh, We knew that this day would come. It has arrived. (laughs) We are are so lucky that we got it. Yeah, we're so lucky. We are. We we really are. And yeah, so this was the last episode. Cloners over. That just means we can go back and put it on the shelf. We, we can take it off the shelf. We can look at it again, and then we can put it back on the shelf. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> the simple joys. The simple joys of shelves. <laughs> so that is going to wrap up this episode. I hope you guys enjoyed The Siege of Mandalore. Let us know what you thought. Let us know how much you cried. What are you looking forward to next? There's a lot coming down the line for Star Wars. I'm sure we'll be talking about it at some point. Um, but... The Star Wars is good, guys. Star Wars is tragedy, but Star Wars is also good. So if you want to find us online, you can find us at Skytalkers Pod on Twitter or Charlotte's handle is at Clarity and mine is at Caitlin Plusher. We also have our website, skytalkers.com. If you want to head on over to the iTunes homepage, if it's still May the 4th oh <laughs> or if it's still up, <laughs> you can find us there. And if you haven't left us a review yet and would like to, it helps other people find our show for when we're not on the homepage. page. <laughs> 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 I cringed as I said that, but <laughs> if you would like to leave us a review for other people to find our show, we'd really appreciate it. And uh, if you're interested in other ways to support us, you can also head on over to our Patreon where you can find out how you can become a part of our cozy Discord and join the conversation there too. Yes. And I want to say a huge thank you to these amazing, amazing patrons, John, Stephanie, Anton, Alex, Seth, Martin, Locke, Tom, Adam, Emily, Kitty, Jonathan, and Jordan. Thank you guys so much for supporting us. Your support means the world. Yes, thank you guys so much. And until next time, may the force be with you. May the force be with you. Sky Talkers is a member of the Star Wars Escape Pods Network. Explore more great content and get to know our sister shows at WeAreEscapePods.com and on Twitter at WeAreEscapePods, the Star Wars Escape Pods Network, promoting positivity in fandom.